I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. I am a park ranger at Yellowstone National Park. The vast landscape with its... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Towering mountains, pristine lakes, and sprawling forests is truly a sight to behold. 
But beneath the picturesque exterior lies a dark and dangerous secret. One summer day, as I was conducting a routine check of the park's trails, I heard a strange noise in the distance. Curiosity peaked, I decided to investigate. But what I encountered was far from what I expected. As I approached the source of the noise, I saw a massive, unknown predator. Its fur was matted, and its eyes glinted with a malevolent hunger. It was unlike any animal I had ever seen before. Before I could even reach for my radio, the creature attacked. I was outmatched, but I refused to give up. I fought with all my might, using every ounce of my strength and training. It was a struggle for survival, with the unknown predator intent on taking me down. Just as I was about to lose consciousness, the creature suddenly vanished into thin air. I was left alone, wounded and confused, but I was alive. I soon realized that what I had encountered was far more than just a wild animal. It was something paranormal, something beyond my understanding. But I was determined to survive, and I was going to get to the bottom of this strange and frightening encounter. Unfortunately, I hit a dead end. After this encounter, I never again encountered this creature. I spent two years more as a park ranger. Then I quit. Still to this day, I wonder where that creature left. Or was it even real? What I am about to describe will sound like a cheap-ass cliché movie script, but this did indeed happen. Even at home, barely anybody believes me without confirmation from the other parties involved. Buckle up. It's a long haul. Autumn 2019 in British Columbia, Canada. I am from Germany, but spent half a year in Canada as part of my bachelor's degree. I barely got back before she hit. I was 22 years old at the time, and the other people involved were about the same age. Another foreign student and I befriended this local Canadian student. We all had the same interests and humor, and the dude became a very good friend of ours. He told us all about the local area, and we spent a week in the summer with him and his father at their very remote, remember this, cabin near some woods. They taught us how to handle guns there and let us shoot a lot, ammo as expensive as if. Then fall came and we had a lot of free time due to being finished with all our papers. So our buddy proposed that we spend a few days at his dad's cabin, this time without his father. We went hell yay because we could load up on booze and weed and have a great time there. Just living the life. Three close dudes in the woods gaming and getting wasted. Sound great right? After loading up on all the supplies, the first three days were very calm. On the first day, just like the last time I was there, I barely slept and was generally tense. This is because I am a naturally very paranoid guy, and I often go into alert mode in situations which is often mocked by my friends. In this case, what freaked me out the most was the fact that we were far away from civilization, and you never understand how quiet your surroundings can be until you spent some time in a remote area like this which led to me often just standing in the dark at night, listening to the surroundings of the cabin. But after the first few days, I got less paranoid. After all, I was with friends, was constantly high, and we were quite armed and dangerous. Probably most dangerous to ourselves, though. Day four came. We spent the day attempting to hunt in the woods, mostly just chilling under trees with a beer and rifle in hand. 
but in the evening it started to rain heavily. After an hour we were starting to see lightning in the distance, with quite a bit of time passing between lightning and thunder, which meant the thunderstorm itself was still some time away. So we aborted our incompetent hunting attempts and started trekking back to the cabin. It took us about an hour to reach it, due to is already being very dark and the rain creating unsafe footing. For context, you should know that once you spent a few days in the wilderness and haven't seen a soul, other than your friends for days, you can become quite careless about your surroundings. I think you can imagine why I'm telling you that last part. So we enter the cabin. At that time, the thunderstorm was raging full on. We put away our gear and changed clothes. Except for our guns. Yeah, I know, drugs and guns are a horrible combination, and I wouldn't mix that shit nowadays. But we were drilled quite well by Canadian friends' dad regarding trigger discipline, safety, etc. And man, I really miss spooning a rifle while sleeping. We cozied down in the living room at a table, started a YouTube video, and began playing cards. Barely 20 minutes passed since we returned. And at the time, we didn't bother closing the curtains in the living room because thunderstorms are baller as if. So imagine that we were three guys sitting around a table, occasionally in awe at the weather outside while playing cards. In such a remote place, it is extremely dark outside. Without a full moon and clear skies, it is pitch black. The only lamps we have are old-ass vintage-looking and dimmer than my phone screen. What comes next is how my also non-local friend has described what he saw. While sipping from his beer, another lightning went off. He spit it out instantly after the lightning came and screamed loudly and stood up. No words, just the sound of panic. My Canadian friend and I were instantly perplexed and looked at him. There's somebody outside. He started rambling about how in that split second the lightning illuminated the outside of the cabin. He saw a person standing a bit of distance away from the cabin, looking directly at us. Now this is what I meant when I said cliché horror story, and barely anybody believes me at first. But this did happen. My non-local friend is obviously in full-on panic. His face looks anxious. This communicated to our Canadian buddy and me that this guy wasn't just messing with us. He did see somebody outside. I grabbed my rifle and pulled the bolt to rack around into the chamber. I feel that warm sensation running down my spine of my body releasing adrenaline. I tried to stay far away from the window, stare into the darkness outside, but I can't see anything. While our Canadian friend rushed into his room to grab his pistol, I start panicking even more, because I realize we didn't lock the door. Why would we? We haven't seen anyone in days and are in the middle of wilderness. So I run to the door and lock it. Our friend returns with his pistol, which he grabbed because there was a flashlight attached to it. He carefully approached the window, then changed his pace from sneaky to fast and pushed the window open with one hand while the other hand was aiming the handgun outside. I wish I was any good at drawing, because what we saw next when our friend turned on the flashlight was the most terrifying image I've ever seen. It is burned into my mind. The fact that I cannot share that image with other people has been bugging me for three years now. The light turns on. What we saw in that moment was a man, tall and slim, 
dressed in all black with a hooded raincoat, which is pulled over his head, almost covering his eyes. But not far away from the cabin, just a few steps away from the window. Not standing, as our friend yelled earlier, but crouching, looking directly at us with clenched eyes and a terrifying little smirk on one side of his mouth. Another lightning flashes, and for that moment we were all frozen. The image of what we saw must have shocked the other guys as much as it did me, because nobody said anything for a few seconds. There is a hard-to-explain, dreadful feeling about seeing something like this. In a storm, in the middle of nowhere, a person dressed in a black raincoat is suddenly crouching so close to you and facing you. Our Canadian buddy was aiming his pistol plus attached flashlight at the also frozen crouched smirking man and just yelled out with a slight stutter and a higher pitched voice than I've ever heard from him. Get out, get the F away from us or we will shoot. I guess at that moment after his eyes adjusted, the raincoat man realized that this was not just a flashlight but a gun. And I was standing next to my friend with a hunting rifle in my arm. Raincoat, man's slight smirk, changed to something where I'm unsure if it was shock or rage. All this was happening in less than a minute. While my friend kept on yelling and I was just frozen, the raincoat figure turned by about 90 degrees towards the nearest tree line and went from crouch to full sprint quickly. He ran away to the right side of our window. Two of us poked their head out of the window to see where exactly he was going, but with a heavy rainfall and darkness we could barely make out anything in the distance of that tree line. After a few minutes of just looking at each other in disbelief, we decided to pop off a few rounds outside the window to prove that we were for real and to cope. When the shock wore off, we decided to call the police. They asked a lot of questions on the phone to describe the location of the cabin and a description of the man who just almost crept up on us, totally unsuspecting and only revealed due to lightning and luck. Due to us being in such a remote area, the cops told us it'd take at least one or two hours for somebody to come out. They asked because of the weather and time if it'd be all right if they send somebody out tomorrow to talk to us about all the details. Given how the man saw that we were armed, he probably wouldn't come back again. We agreed. We discussed just jumping in the truck and leaving right now. But us dumbasses were too lazy to refuel the truck. The idea of doing this now, in the dark and in that heavy rain, was just too frightening. I kept thinking about this guy lurking in the darkness and picking us off one by one. We spend the night sleeping in shifts. One person was awake and standing guard. The others at least attempted to sleep. When my turn came, the rain had died down. I turned off all the lights, opened a window, and just sat there in the darkness, trying to listen for any sound I could hear and looking out of the windows to scan the area. Let me tell you, when you're sitting in the dark for hours in full alert mode, just trying sit still, listen, and look around. You have a lot of time to think and reiterate what just happened. Close to the middle of the next day, two cops arrived. We had to give them a detailed report of what happened when it happened and had to show them in which direction the raincoat Sade ran off to. They said they will organize for a patrol to come through the woods, but that might take a while because they need experienced outdoorsmen, etc. 
Sadly, we didn't see many details of the man's face. We couldn't tell if he was young or old, only that he was tall and clean-shaven. The chances of finding who exactly that was and find out what the hell he was attempting to do were very small, though one of the officers expressed that this whole happening was deeply worrying. We left the cabin a few hours after the police left, and Canadian guy's dad insisted we stay at his place, at least for a day until we feel safe again. He also wanted to hear every last detail and figured that the time has come to install cameras around the cabin. I don't remember this part for sure, but I believe that I heard later the dad and his brother went back to the cabin and just sat there in the dark, waiting for the raincoat. Men to return, but I never heard of any results, so I guess he must have gone hunting in other areas. I never heard from them cops again. Next January, I left Canada and returned home. My Canadian friend was called in for an interview a few months later, and it seemed like the police was still seriously investigating this, looking for the guy who crept up on a cabin during a thunderstorm. The image of that crouched raincoat figure, completely wet and surrounded by darkness, so close to our cabin, is burned into my mind. I will most likely never forget this. I still sometimes turn off all the lights and just look out the windows in silence, trying to listen for sounds. Even though I'm on the other side of the world now, we have speculated a lot about what that was. The winning theory is that this guy most certainly had sinister intentions. This did not look like just an attempt at burglary. Remember, we had dim lights on. You could see that there was somebody inside the cabin. This guy was creeping towards us in a raincoat during a thunderstorm. When my friend yelled out that he saw somebody, this guy went from walking, standing, to crouching, and he went closer towards the window. I suspect the raincoat. Man wanted to check what kind of victim was on the menu, and I don't really want to imagine what he had in store if there were two unarmed girls there in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. We didn't see any headlights passing the clearing the cabin was on. The guy also had no backpack or something. Just the raincoat and black weather, appropriate clothing. I bet my soul that this guy was a man on a mission who knew exactly what he was doing and what he was well prepared for. While writing this post, I also started thinking about the logistics of it all. The guy must have a camp or at least a car hidden somewhere in those woods. You can't sustain yourself out there otherwise. I also got the feeling that he either came upon the cabin during the storm itself, or that he spotted us in the woods during the hunting we did before. We moved slowly, while also not being shy with waving our lights around, and in total pitch, darkness wilderness of proper flashlight must have been as easy to spot as the beacons of Gondor, so he might have tracked us through the woods until we reached the cabin. If anybody has heard about similar things happening in the area of British Columbia near Vancouver, please let me know. That mystery has a grip on me for the rest of my life. Sometimes I still dream of this raincoat, figure creeping closer towards me with each flash of lightning. I am Ashkei, a Navajo Park Ranger working in Yosemite National Park. I've always had a deep love and connection to the land, and I feel honored to be able to protect it every day.
My job can be challenging at times, but it's also incredibly rewarding. One day, I received a distress call from a hiker who was lost in the deep woods of Yosemite. I immediately set out to find the hiker, hoping to bring them to safety before nightfall. As I made my way through the dense forest, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was following me. The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end, and I couldn't help but feel like I was being watched. Suddenly, I heard a low growl coming from the trees. I turned to face the source of the sound and was met with the most terrifying creature I had ever seen. It was tall, with dark fur, glowing red eyes and wings that seemed to stretch on forever. I recognized it as the Mothman, a creature that was said to bring death and destruction wherever it went. I tried to run, but the Mothman was too fast. It swooped down, striking me with its powerful claws and knocking me to the ground. I was gravely injured, but I managed to crawl into a nearby cabin in the woods. Inside the cabin, I met a woman named Maria. She was kind and caring, and she tended to my wounds. Over the course of several days, we grew closer, and I, I found myself falling in love with her. However, I soon learned that Maria was not who she appeared to be. On one occasion, I noticed that her eyes glow when I speak about the monster. Also, in one of the drawers in her cabin, I found black feathers. W-T-U-T-F? When I confronted her, she smiled, revealing that she was working for the benefit of Mothman. She was like a cultist adored this flying creature. I ran from cabin once outside the Mothman returned. Intent on finishing the job, it had started. I was badly injured, but I refused to give up. I fought back with everything I had, using my knowledge of the land to outsmart the creature. But once I depleted my energy, I'd just fallen on the ground. After I awakened, everything disappeared. I never learned what became of Maria or the Mothman. I like to believe that I was able to defeat the creature and save others from its wrath, but I can never be sure. The memory of those dark days in the woods still haunts me, and the fate of the Mothman remains a mystery. This happened to my roommate and I two years ago when we drove into the National Forest just outside of the town we live in. We go to a small college in New England, about three hours from any major city. For context, this forest has quite a few urban legends surrounding it, and the local community, although they do go there often, have a lot of superstitions about how to be safe while there. I had just broken up with my partner, and my roommate could sense I was feeling down. Finals were just around the corner, so she decided to help me get my mind of things, and suggested we go to a nice spot she had found last week and just chill and distress. We took a couple of beers with us and drove to this secluded spot in the forest. From the moment we left the main asphalt road in the forest, I saw a couple of things that unsettled me. You could see the abandoned houses of a ghost town from the higher ground. The road was on, and we saw this old doll hanging from a rope on a tree. Creepy shit, but we didn't really give it a second thought and kept driving. We got to a clearing and parked our car behind some trees, popped open the back of our SUV, and started just talking and playing music. About ten minutes into this, two cars appeared from the road and parked in the clearing. My friend didn't pay them attention, instead she kept talking, but as I was facing them from where I sat, I couldn't stop seeing what they did. 
A guy popped out of each car, talked for a few minutes, and then I saw them take out a long object covered in a dark plastic bag from the back of one of the cars. This is when I noticed these guys had guns, and not like shotguns, which I see often in this town, but handgun. Then they started lighting the bag on fire. I told my friend to get down, and she turned around and saw them for the first time. Black smoke was rising from the bag, and between trying to keep my head down and steal glances at them, I saw them take out a second object and heard them shoot at it, right before they set it on fire. I don't know how long my friend and I were lying there in silence, but it was definitely enough to let the terror sink in and whisper to each other how much we loved each other in case this was what we thought it was. At some point I looked up and saw that they were pointing at our car and saw them walking into the woods, maybe trying to follow our tracks or trying to look for us. All I know is that right then I told my friend to jump into the driver's seat and make a run for it. I shut the back door and between that and the car starting up the guys heard it and started running towards us, then ran towards one of their cars and hopped in. We went over a hill and driving way above what was safe for dirt roads on a hillside we lost them. We drove to a neighboring town and roamed around for a while, just to make sure no one was following us before we went back to our dorm. That day we tried to make fun of the whole situation and got really drunk before finally breaking down and crying from knowing we had seen something we were not supposed to. We were at first terrified of telling anyone, but eventually did tell officers on campus who contacted the police, but never found anything. My fiancé and I would ride our bikes at night on the local rails to trail Green Way that spread from the center of the city all the way north to some lakes. It stretched about 12 miles. We never ran into anything suspicious or creepy until our last ride. The trail had parts that paralleled alongside a Revolutionary War battlefield which is next to a city cemetery. We would park our car at the neighboring apartment complex and just ride in the night. We had lights on the front and rear of our bikes, and the path was pretty much illuminated, minus some parts, by the cemetery and by the lake. The last night we rode together by the cemetery, it was a muggy and warm night. Even the wind was just uncomfortable, but we dealt with it. When we got to the cemetery, there was a certain point it just got cold. I mean, deep in the skin, cold. I felt as if someone was there with us. It was an unsettling feeling, to say the least. Then after that long and frightful moment it went away and the air was warm and muggy again. I noticed my fiancé was pedaling very hard and had a frantic look on her face. We finally came to a lit up area and stopped. I asked her if she felt anything back there by the cemetery. She replied, you felt that too. It was like someone was there with us and it was freezing cold. We then tried to chill out and not get too worked up about it. Both her and I have had similar experiences before, with unexplained feelings and events. We continue to move on and finish the night ride by going to the lake and stopping by the spot that we frequent. This spot overlooks the lake by a bridge and has a bench to sit at. At night, there is no one around and the wildlife is happily active. Beavers swimming, bats flying, fish jumping, etc. All illuminated by the moonlight. It's gorgeous. We ride out past the city in lights. It's only the moon and our bike lights. 
We get to our spot a little bit faster than usual, probably still pumped by the feeling at the cemetery earlier, and all of a sudden I have this dreadful feeling in my chest. It's something I know is bad. My instincts, guardian angels, are telling me to leave. I keep telling my fiancé we need to leave, but she keeps saying we should enjoy the view and the wildlife. I am trying to pay attention to the wildlife sounds, but I just cannot shake this feeling. All of a sudden I noticed it got quiet. I mean deafening quiet. Not a sound was to be heard. I looked at my fiancé and said we need to leave. The feeling in my chest was getting worse and was almost getting panicky. I am a very laid-back person and my job deals with high-stress situations, so I'm used to chaos, but this was different. Then on the opposite bank, about 40-50 feet from us, only separated by a path and a few trees, we heard walking. I know it was bipedal by the sound of the steps. I looked in the direction, but it was like a dark haze and could not see anything. The sky was clear that night and the moon illuminated everything. The moon could not light this area up. I grabbed my fiancé and told her we were leaving as the footsteps continued to be working their way towards the path. She had the same frantic look as earlier in the cemetery. We put our helmets on and jumped on the bikes and took off. I have never gone that fast before on a bike. We were on high gear, pushing harder and harder just to escape that spot. We both never looked behind us until we finally got to a neighborhood that was well lit and we slowed down. She turned to me and said, I'm sorry. I had a bad feeling as well, but I did not want to say anything in case I freaked you out. I learned to listen to my gut. It has gotten me out of a lot of trouble in the past and would have gotten me out of a lot more if I had just listened to it. I did not ignore it that time and will not ever again. We did not want to find out what that was back there in the dark. That was the last night ride we ever did. I was the last worker at a camp up in Alaska about seven years ago. I was in charge of making sure all the equipment was locked up and the machinery was turned off before sunset. I checked and rechecked everything before signing off on the paperwork and turned the last switch off to head for the helicopter. I was so looking forward to a big rest and going home to Grandma's cooking. I got a really strange feeling just before I pulled down the main lever to shut off the power. I felt watched and like someone or something didn't want me to. I was totally all alone. I heard this loud tick, tick, but didn't see anything. Then there was a loud bang. Again, there was nobody around. I thought maybe one of the guys stayed behind to scare me. I called out and nobody answered. I said, okay, you got me. Let's go home now. Still nothing, not a sound. I put my hand on the lever and there was a thump. Something was messing with me. I called out again, but nothing answered. I pulled the lever and everything went quiet with no generator buzzing or humming. I walked out to the helicopter and heard grinding footfalls behind me. I looked back and didn't see anything, but I felt I wasn't alone. I kept going to the copter garage and those steps came up again. I heard ticks and a grunt, gruff, like something blew out of its big nose. I wanted to look but I wanted to leave more. I wished someone were there with me, even a dog or something. This was the first time I felt afraid to be alone, and I have camped deep in the wilderness since I was 18. 
It was quiet except for my footsteps. Then it cut the air. A loud moan, wailing yell that echoed like I never heard before. It's like it surrounded me and trailed off toward the trees. I took off in a full sprint to the copter garage. I didn't look back or around. I just wanted to leave so bad. I fell to the ground and got up. This loud crack came from the building. I got the garage door lock open, jumped in the copter and started her. Up! The roof lifted and I was so relieved to sail up. I did a circle to gain altitude and looked down. I saw this tall, white, giant figure looking up at me. It was over ten feet tall and wide. It raised its giant arms up like it was going to stretch up and grab at the copter. I froze and couldn't take my eyes off it, but looking at it terrified me. It let out this loud, strange, metallic moan that I could hear over the blades. I rose higher and didn't look back. I didn't return to that job the next season. I work as a child care professional, and one of the kids that I look after had recently gotten into hiking. I decided to take him to a really cool trail in Salt Fork State Park. We were all set to hike to Hosax Cave after parking right near the beginning of the trailhead. The entire trail is about a half of a mile, which is why I chose this trail for our hike that day. I also chose this trail because any time that I had been on it before, it was very busy and full of people in a very popular spot, which made me feel secure. However, this past summer we had a cluster of several summer storms, which caused massive damage to the trail. So to my surprise, it was much more difficult and completely empty. I wasn't bothered by the trail being obviously empty because there was a small construction crew working on a bridge that was just barley visible from the trailhead. He was still up for the hike, despite the entire width of the trail being washed out until it was no more than a foot wide with a six to twelve foot drop off into a creek bed that is solid rock and several trees down. He is very athletic, and I was confident in his abilities if he was, and he was so excited to tackle our adventure. We made it all the way to a platform that allows you to see the entire cave. There were many down trees surrounding the platform, and it was actually closed at this point, but we had made it this far, so we decided to maneuver around the platform and proceeded the few hundred feet into the cave. We spent the most time in this area due to the difficulty, so I know exactly what it looked like. There were tree roots directly under the platform, and you could climb down either side of them. It is also worth noting that Hosack's cave is much more like a cliff, with an overhanging rock formation and a trickle of a waterfall directly in the middle. It is not a creepy, closed-up cave. It is very open and beautiful. We got to the cave and I noticed a candle that was not burning recently, but had been at some point sitting on a large rock that had a heart carved into it. I chalked it up to someone having a date or something and disregarded it. He wanted to climb to the top where I noticed two more candles and three stacks of small rocks that had been stacked up by somebody. I definitely felt weird at this point, but it was about this time that he found a small puddle full of baby salamanders and wanted to catch them. It was the happiest that I had seen him in a very long time, and I didn't have the heart to tell him that it was time to go. We spent about an hour catching baby salamanders, and I watched him have the time of his life. 
We finally decided to leave, and when we got to the platform, dead center in the middle of the tree roots was a wet washcloth hanging that was absolutely not there before. He noticed it as well, but did not pick up on the severity of the situation that we were in. At that moment, I factually knew two things. One, someone was watching us, and we did not see them, and two, they were now potentially hiding in the woods and made it a point to not be seen, but to leave an object to be noticed. There was no running back with a narrow trail, and I was not about to tell him that we were in potential danger. I told him to go in front of me, and I just kept encouraging him that he was doing great over and over, and that seemed to speed him up naturally. I never saw anyone while we were on the trail. We got to the car, and I locked the doors immediately. On our way out of the park, a very dirty man, probably in his thirties, came out of the woods and made it a point to stare at me with the most empty of expressions that I have ever seen. The man followed me with his eyes and head as I drove by him and continued to stare at me until I couldn't see him anymore. I knew the third fact at that point. He made it a point to make himself apparent to me, and that facts one and two were true. That stare stuck with me for days, and I considered counseling after this as it bothered me for several weeks, causing me severe anxiety. I tried to tell myself that maybe we just interrupted his bath time, and he was camping, and didn't want to startle us. After all, the crazy-looking man had ample time to do anything that he wanted while we were catching salamanders. I just cannot in any way rationalize why he stared into my eyes the way that he did if he wanted to go unnoticed. Deep down, I know that it is much more likely that it was a deliberate action intended to scare me. He never had any idea how panicked I was, and to this day, it is the most fun that I have ever seen him have. He brings it up regularly, and it was a very positive experience for him. It was one of my worst experiences ever, and it made me feel so sick and disturbed.